This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. Alright, what's up everybody? This is Bobby here from the Coochie's Corner Podcast. Coming to you guys with another episode. I am really excited to be back doing the podcast. Uh, you know, we were going to do a little bit of a recap uh, over the two-week Olympic break. We sort of did that the one week. The second week um, sort of kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, we had some some other stuff going on that uh, I had to attend to. So um, we weren't we weren't able to be on the second week. And then last week I wanted to do an episode, just really never found a, a good time to do it. Um, unfortunately, so we were we were kind of stuck with doing another one of these wraparounds. But sort of as the week was progressing, I was like, you know, if we just hold off until like Thursday, I think that would be like the best time to do an episode. So we're going to talk about we're going to go back and talk about Watkins Glen. We'll go back and talk about some of the news and the notes that have kind of happened in the last week and two, two to three weeks, actually. I'll kind of go back and dig through some news. And then um, we'll look ahead at, you know, the weekend after Watkins Glen. We just had uh, Indy, so we'll talk about that and sort of some of the debacle with the uh, the curbing and, and some of the stuff that happened there. And then obviously um, – we will look ahead to Michigan this weekend, and we found out some breaking news before I came on here, so we'll talk about that as well. And uh, just really excited to get another episode here in. Uh, the summer is coming to a close very quickly for a lot of us, so um, you know, looking forward to uh, getting uh, you know into the fall. It's one of my personal favorite times of the year: is fall and winter. So uh, you know, be done with this heat and the humidity and being woken up at 2.30 in the morning to tornado warnings like I was uh, this morning. So um, be done and over with that stuff, hopefully in the near future. And uh, we'll be looking forward to the fall and then we'll be seeing the playoffs, you know, make it more NASCAR related. We'll be looking at the playoffs and kind of who's in, who's out. Um, I realistically think that the guys that are in right now, barring a surprise winner at, at Daytona are going to be the guys that are going to be in. You're, you're going to get one of the RCR cars. You're either going to get Tyler Reddick, who's in right now, or you're going to get Austin Dillon. You know, Austin's always good for a surprise win somewhere. Uh, Michigan could be a place that you see him surprise you, or the following week at Daytona could be another one. So I would say that those are really two tracks that uh, Austin's won at in the past. He, he won a rain-shortened Xfinity race there a few years ago, and then obviously uh, we know – uh, Austin is a pretty good old plate racer and, uh, has won the Daytona 500 in the past. So, um, maybe not the cleanest way to win a Daytona 500, but he does have a Daytona 500 win. Um, so we'll, we'll get the episode started here right after this quick break. You'll hear about our friends over at circle B diecast. Be sure to check out your Kyle Larson, uh, Watkins Glen race winner, and then be sure to pick up the, uh, AJ Allmendinger, uh, winner from Indy. They have the Almendinger car available in autograph, non-autograph ma- models, uh, 164th scale. They have the T-shirts on the Larson cars. They have um, 124th scale. One, uh, I don't think there's a 164th, but um, or there, there might be. I'm not sure. Um, but they have a 124th color chrome autograph model 
Remember on the Larson stuff, uh, Hendrick has exclusivity on the autograph uh, elite models. And then Kyle Larson Racing, like Kyle's own website, has the exclusives on the um, on the plain standard action diecast. So that's sort of how they split that up. So our friends over at Circle B Diecast usually pick either color chrome, liquid color, galaxy color. They pick one of the special finishes, and that's the one that they offer the race fans for Circle B Diecast fans. So be sure to check out our friends over at Circle B Diecast. Pick up your race win diecast. Remember, if you use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner, you get free shipping on all orders over 20 bucks. So Crew Chiefs Corner, no apostrophe in the S. Promo code on Plan B. I mean on Circle B Diecast. Almost said Plan B on CircleBDiecast.com. Um, so you can go check out uh, Brett and our friends over there. And uh, we'll get this episode of the of the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast started right after this quick break. For all your latest diecast needs, apparel, and much more, check out CircleBDiecast.com. The best part, all of our Crew Chiefs Corner podcast listeners use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. No apostrophe. It's all Crew Chiefs Corner. You'll save you'll get free shipping on all US orders over $20. Check out CircleBDiecast.com. Use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. You get free shipping on all US orders over $20. All right, everybody, we're back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. This is Bobby Bailey. Um, so let's talk about Watkins Glen. I mean, we had three races up there in the Finger Lakes region of New York. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, the first time the trucks have been there since 2000, they put on a pretty decent show. Um, you know, Austin Hill picks up the win. Um, if you would have asked me which driver I really thought was going to win at Watkins Glen, I would have. I would have went with someone that had some experience. I mean, obviously Austin ran the uh, Arca Menards East race there uh, earlier. I believe it was just a straight up Arca race. I don't think it was the East series per se, but went out there and won that Arca race, uh, ran that Arca race. I should say he didn't win it. Um, Corey Heim won the Arca race, but uh, Austin Hill was in that race. You know, Chase Briscoe was in there. There was a few other guys. I know um, uh, Chase Purdy was supposed to run both the Arca race and the truck race, but had to miss it due to COVID. Uh, protocol. So uh, AJ Almendinger ended up filling in for uh, Chase in the 23 truck for GMS. Um, so you hate to see someone miss a race because of COVID protocols. Hopefully, uh, I'm pretty sure Chase is supposed to be back in the truck this weekend at uh, Gateway for the beginning of the Truck Series playoffs, which is hard to believe is is going to start this weekend for the Truck Series, and and we're not even at the end of August yet. So um, their playoffs begin uh, this weekend out at Gateway, and then. Uh, you know, you, you get Austin Hill picking up the win. Um, and it was kind of unique because the race was shortened due to a lightning strike. Um, so that kind of led some fans to chat on Twitter about NASCAR's lightning strike policy. And and for those of you that don't understand the reasoning behind it or, or understand it, but maybe need a refresher on it, it's realistically there. There was an incident that happened uh, a couple instances, but there was an incident I know in Pocono for sure that um, there was a lightning strike that um, I, I don't remember exactly if it injured a fan or it killed a fan um, that struck the, the Pocono Raceway property. And I believe it was 
it was in the aftermath of that. I mean, we also famously remember there was a, a situation that happened at Charlotte. Um, I believe where the bridge, the pedestrian bridge collapsed there um, due to some weather and some stuff. And, um, you know, people, people were hurt in that incident as well. Um, I believe that was weather related as well. Um, so, you know, there's been situations where NASCAR, I think, has looked at ways that they can improve themselves and, you know, being that there is the technology out there that you could set up an eight mile perimeter around a racetrack and determine that, um, that that is what you need to, in order to warn the competitors that there's severe weather imminent, get the cars off the track, get the guys out of the cars, get the fans to a safe place and, um, potentially save lives in that situation is, is paramount. So, Call it what you want. Um, you know, it was a lightning strike within that eight mile perimeter, and and that's what NASCAR called the race on. So those things happen. Um, you know, it's a little bit unfortunate that it happened as it did, but you, you're going to have those situations, unfortunately, and and that's what caused the end of that race to come a little bit sooner than than you would have liked to have uh, had. But you know, they they had a lot of things going on that weekend. The trucks and Xfinity was a double header. Um, so you had, you know, you, you had a hard time that you had to start the Xfinity race by, um, and that's what they were coming up on. And, um, you know, the weather, you know, took eight laps away from the fans, unfortunately, and Austin Hill was declared the winner and, uh, picked up his second win of the season. Um, you know, at two tracks that are totally different from each other, you know, he has a win at, um, Knoxville, he won the dirt race out there, and then he, uh, picks up the win here at um at Watkins Glen so uh, you know just two totally different racetracks to pick up a win but we know Austin Hill and that 16 team is going to be competing for race wins it's been a little bit surprising it's taken them this long to get their wins but um now that you have those two wins in I, I think it's it's a good thing um and then you look at the Xfinity race on Saturday um you know after we had all the chaos with the rain the the, the lightning strike and all that stuff that ended in the truck race you ended up with an Xfinity race that, I mean, by and large should have been, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't even know how you describe it because, you know, you look at the guys that are in the Xfinity field most weekends, you know, and you have Ty Gibbs, you have uh, who's driving the 54, and then you got Austin Sindrick in the in the 22, and, and you got um, A.J. Allmendinger's up there, and, and then you know, you have to a lot of times pinch yourself and remind yourself that that Ty Gibbs is just 18 years old driving these Xfinity cars. And he's only in his like seventh or eighth start of his career in the Xfinity series. And he has like three wins now. He's got the win at the, the Daytona Road Course. He has the win at um, I think it was Charlotte. I'm pretty sure it was Charlotte. And then he won here at Watkins Glen. He has three wins at, you know, two different style of tracks, but he's won on three iconic racetracks. You know, you think of Daytona, obviously you think of the Oval, you don't think of the road course, but he's won at Daytona. He won at Charlotte, the home of NASCAR. It's, it's where Ty has been based most of his life anyhow. And that's a, that's a special win. And then you go out and you see this young man win at Watkins Glen, a track that has been, you, you know, one of NASCAR's only road courses for a long time. Um, and, and you just, you just see that, you know, level of maturity that takes to win 
a race and you see him winning at tracks that he's winning at beating the level of competition he's beating. I mean, he's not just beating, you know, he's not just beating, um, a, a field of, of Xfinity regulars. I mean, there's guys in there that, you know, have cup experience. Like, like I said, AJ Allmendinger, you know, Cindric's run cup a, a few times this year. Um, he's got guys that have, you know, real good experience in these cars. And, you know, you just look at the other drivers that are in the field, um, it, it takes a lot to put somebody behind the wheel of one of these race cars. And one of the crazy things we saw, and we knew this coming into the weekend that Michael and was going to drive the one car. And I think the thing that surprised me the most was how, how much Michael was hobbling around. He was walking with a cane and, and, and just the, the awe of him just walking around with a cane while trying to drive a race car. I can't imagine how uncomfortable that must have been for him behind the wheel of the car. And it must have been very uncomfortable because he hasn't been back in the car since uh, he missed um, Indy. He was replaced by Chase Elliott. And then he's he already said that he's not racing this weekend at, at Michigan upcoming. He's going to have uh, Josh Berry drive the car. And we'll talk a little bit more about Josh later on. Um, so, so you know that um, he's actually even said it recently. I think he said it this week that he was a little eager to get back in the car. He wanted to get back in the car. Um, it's what he wants to do. It's what he loves doing. And you could just tell that he's been told to take a step back, that it's not like important for him to be back in that race car right now, if he's not a hundred percent to be driving that car. And listen, I'm not a race car driver. I've never driven a race car, but I can only imagine what it's like by hearing guys that have driven cars that seeing your car goes around, go around on a racetrack is probably one of the most painful things to see. And I can only imagine what Michael is feeling, seeing Chase Elliott, seeing Josh Barry, seeing, um, you know, whoever else might end up in that car as he continues to heal, get in that car, run, you know, top 10, top five, have really good races and say, man, I wish that could have been me. I wish that could have been my top five. I wish I could have had a chance at that, you know, that final restart and had a shot at that win. And, and I, I must, I must imagine it's, it's like, you know, when a professional athlete goes out there and wants to, to you know, take the final shot. Um, you know, that moment of, I want the ball in my hand. Well, I want the steering wheel in my hands. I want the ability to go out there and compete, you know, with my race team, with my guys and be able to go out and win a race. And right now for Michael now, he's not able to do that because of an injury. And, you know, unfortunately or fortunately for junior motorsports, they have a deep pool of talent that they can pull from to fill that seat for as long as they need to. Um, but we'll get into a little bit more about the junior motorsports stuff later, but um, just, you know, it, it was a yeoman's effort on Michael's part. I think it was really uh, eye opening to see, like I said, the level of, of pain and, and things that he was going through in order to get in that race car. Um, you, you know, and you could just tell me you, you don't walk around with a cane unless you need it, you know? And, and I, I can only imagine trying to get in and out of that race car, how that must've felt for him because, I, I'm imagining it was not fun at all, but then you get to Sunday, you get to the cup race, you know, Watkins Glen, you, you knew coming into this race, it was going to come down to two people. You knew it was going to come down to Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. And the only people that could beat those guys was themselves. First thing that happened, obviously Chase had the penalty. He had his, uh, he had Alan Gustafson, um, you know, thrown out 
um, you know, for the weekend because of the the uh, window deflector uh, penalty. Um, so that that kind of you know screwed up you know his weekend. He had, he had a guy on the box. I don't even know who the heck the guy was. He was probably an engineer or something. But um, that does hurt. You know, it doesn't it doesn't cripple them because with modern technology, he could been could have been off the race property and across the street at a, someone's house and could have been, you know, using a, a, a digital radio and communicating via channel two uh, to the racing. He, he could have well, maybe not channel two, but he could have communicated via digital radio. The other thing he could have done, he could have been texting. He could have been, you know, uh, FaceTiming or, or whatever. There, there's they can't communicate over the 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 channel one communications. They can communicate on a, on a private digital radio. So, like, if they have, and I'm pretty sure all the teams have digital radio where they're able to talk on another channel that the fans aren't able to hear because it's not, you know, over the air radio. Um, but they could talk privately and have communications with their with their team. So I'm sure that's what Alan Gustafson was doing, um, whether that was on the, you know, like I said, nearby or back in North Carolina. I, you know, not sure. But um, NASCAR has never, never tried to fully remove somebody from being able to communicate with their race team um, because there's so many different forms of 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 media and contacting and and ways that you can get you know uh messages across that nascar is never going to be able to block everything you know so they're just you know they're they're doing the most that they can which is you know kick the guy off the property for the weekend ban him from from the track and from there it's really up to whatever so um as long as they don't hear his voice on channel one is is my understanding that there's no penalty um, further penalty, but you know, he could be on a digital radio or something like that. Um, so you knew that chase was going to have a good car. Obviously they're pushing the envelope a lot. Uh, all these teams are, I mean, all these teams are trying to, to, to thread the needle as much as they can. Uh, chase had a really good car. You, you knew he was going to be a contender. He got up there, he got through the field, uh, sped on pit road, which ended up costing him the win. He was able to get up to second, but he just never had anything for for Kyle Larson. He needed he needed more time. He needed the race to go a little bit longer. Unfortunately, it didn't. So realistically, that's what cost Chase Elliott the win. But um, at the end of the day, another win for Kyle Larson. Uh, you know, just again, road courses going to Hendrick Motorsports, and when you have seven of these on the schedule, it, it is it's a big enough chunk of the schedule that again, I've been saying it for a while. It it, it is you can't overlook the road courses this year. And that was one of the reasons why I said, you know, early in the year, I really feel like Chase Elliott is going to be some, you know, is going to be a serious title threat because of all these road courses. And and I didn't really foresee Kyle Larson being a factor on these road courses, at least not to the level that he's been. Um, I knew Kyle had some road racing background. I knew he ran a bit when he was with Ganassi, he ran some 24 hours at Daytona and things like that. But I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that Kyle Larson would be the competitor that he's been this year, especially on the road courses um, with his wins, you know, uh, Watkins Glen and, and, and uh, I believe Sonoma was the other one. Uh, just, just two dominating wings at the tracks that NASCAR used to race all the time on, you know, Sonoma and Watkins Glen, not as good at Coda, not as good at road America, obviously two places that chase has won at, but you know, that, 
that Chase is going to be a factor uh, when we get to Coat. I mean, to Charlotte Roval later in the season, which is the only road course now that that's left on the schedule. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, and, and kind of forward looking into Indy, you know, you knew that these two guys were going to be at the center of the battle the following week, and it was shaping up to be Kyle Larson's race at the end, uh, possibly at the end of the India race, but, um, you know, fate just wouldn't have it for him. So um, what we're going to do is take another quick break. We're going to talk to you about our website, thecrewchief.net. I'm really happy that we got that all freshly updated for you. Still working on the news section. Got to get a couple of things changed out over there, but we'll do that um, hopefully by Friday. And uh, so go check out thecrewchief.net for all your NASCAR news and notes. Um, that we update as much as we can, uh, pretty much every day. Uh, I try to update thecrewchief.net, which is where you can get all of your latest NASCAR news and information. You can get starting lineups, you can get entry lists, you can get uh, driver points, owner points, uh, paint schemes. Um, we're gonna we're gonna work on getting team charts up there. I just don't know exactly how I'm gonna do it yet. Um, I have an idea of how I'm gonna do it, but I haven't uh, put the the actual charts together yet so uh, bear with me on that but we will get team charts up there and, and kind of do like what i used to do on the old pages back in the day uh, when we had the silly season charts and stuff like that so that is something that's under under the works but is not ready to go yet so uh we'll, we'll take another break here on the crew chiefs corner podcast on the other side we'll come back and we'll recap all the craziness that was indianapolis uh road course this is a Cruci's Corner podcast hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check out thecrewchief.net for all the latest NASCAR news, driver points, owner points, uh, race results, race schedules, paint schemes, and all, of course, all the latest news and information. That's once again, that's thecrewchief.net. Your portal to the world of NASCAR silly season news and racing statistics. All right, welcome back to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. This is by Bailey. So now we're going to talk about Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway, the road course. The first time the cup cars were ever out there. Second time that the Xfinity Series was out there. And Saturday's Xfinity race, um, I think, was the kind of the precursor for the whole craziness of the weekend. Um, I think it was lap six when Harrison Burton got airborne and, uh, flew, uh, through one set of the turtles or the ramps as they were calling them on door bumper clear this week. Um, I don't, I don't even know what the heck to say. Uh, it was some craziness. You know, I think one of the things that listening to, you know, door bumper clear and, and, and listening to some other things that, that. I listened to during the week. I think you look at the the race itself. And one of the things that I think jumps out at people is that this is obviously the first time the cup cars have been here, but last year the Xfinity guys ran this course. So I don't understand how Harrison Burton, Brandon Jones, some of these guys were having issues with the track limits because these track limits were sort of there last year. These were not brand new track limits as, as far as I understand. So how guys are not adjusted to this is beyond me. I can understand the cup guys not being adjusted to it because unless you're Chase Briscoe 
or AJ Allmendinger, you really don't have experience on this track. You've never run there before. Um, and that was the purpose of having the practice for the weekend and stuff. Now, I understand driving the track during single car practice or single car qualifying is different than racing where you have two cars and, and you, you might be leaning and rubbing on a guy and, and, and you're pushing each other to the limits. So I understand how Harrison could have been put in that situation. But at the same time, I mean, the fact that three other guys followed, <laughs> followed him into that and damaged their race cars, including his teammate, Brandon Jones was, was just jaw dropping. But the Xfinity race, I mean, obviously we know Austin Sindrick dominated the race. He led 29 laps, his fifth win of the season driving for for Team Penske. And there's a reason why these guys kept Austin around another year. You know, instead of doing what Stuart Haas did with Chase Briscoe, which is throw him in the cup car as fast as humanly possible. Uh, let's get him in the cup car this year, even though we're not going to run the next gen car. This is a basically a throwaway year. As far as I'm concerned, this is a throwaway year for Chase Briscoe because everything he's learning now, he can take and toss out the window at the end of the season because the new, the new car is going to be totally different. Um, at least of what I've heard. So realistically, the thing he's learning is the tracks. He's learning, you know, how to be a cup driver, how to race against some of these guys. And that's the difference I think for Briscoe is going to be, he's going to have experience with the drivers. He's going to have a year of working with certain people. He's gotten a year used to working with his pit crew, his uh, not so much a pit crew, but his road crew, his crew chief, his engineers. He's going to have a year of experience with that team that Austin Sindrick right now doesn't have. And I understand that the thing was, that there wasn't really a destinated home. There wasn't a, a designed home for Austin Cindric for this season in a cup car. The only thing I could have seen them doing was possibly housing them at the Wood Brothers, ousting D. Benedetto a year earlier than originally planned, and possibly doing making that his home temporarily. But I don't know if that would have... I think it still would have set the chain of events that we've seen with Brad this year. Brad still would have left. Then what do you do? You move him in and then you end up putting Harrison Burton in the 21. I, I just think a lot of those things that were going to happen sort of happened that the way they were going to happen, whether Austin Cindric was in the 21 this year, or he spent the year driving the 22. I think it's also more beneficial for Matt. I mean, for Austin to be in the Xfinity series, because realistically he's lucky this year. You know, if Ty Gibbs was running a full Xfinity series season, I would I would have been on the train of get Austin Cindric the hell out of this series and put him in a cup car because, uh, you know, Ty Gibbs could have been a series title contender. But what I do think this is going to do for next year is depending on what Penske does with their their Xfinity program, whether they try to go out and fish um, around and see if they can get somebody to put in that car full time or do they go back to their a you know their all star car and headline it with Cindric and maybe Harrison Burton splitting the majority of the season in that twenty two car and supplementing it with Logano Blaney, you know, to fill in some of those other races to make sponsors happy. I could foresee that happening, but I just don't see Penske just getting out of Xfinity. I think there's too much value added into the into these programs still. And I think that's one of the reasons why when Brad gets to Roush, I think Roush is going to go back into uh, maybe Xfinity or maybe trucks. And I think Xfinity is the more natural progression because you can take some of the Gen 
six cars and make them Xfinity cars, uh, which is what's going to happen with a lot of them. Um, they're going to get reused. Uh, there's a reason why people are not getting rid of them. You know, they're keeping them because you can make them gen. You can make them Xfinity cars. We've seen teams do this in the past. Um, so there is going to be a purpose for these cars um, way beyond their cup life. So I believe that you're going to see some of that happening uh, until NASCAR decides that they they want to, you know, next gen the Xfinity car. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, just some foresight there. But anyhow, Austin Cindric picks up the win. Uh, obviously, you know, he's very, very uh, good at the road races. You know, he's going to be a title contender. Um, you know, just adding more bonus points this season. You know, he's going to pretty much be the regular season champion at this point in time, barring a major catastrophe. Um, you know, AJ Allmendinger, I think, is 82 points back. But it, it, it really is Cindric's regular season championship to lose. And that's 15 more bonus points for him. So I think Cindric is in a really good spot. I think the team is starting to hit on all cylinders. You're starting to see sort of Austin kind of take take that next step, which is what, why I think they left him in Xfinity this year, is that uh, given how competitive Xfinity was last year between him and Briscoe, I think they wanted to give him a year that, you know, no matter what happens, he stands a really good chance to get this championship. Barring something major, I don't know if there's a driver right now that I could sit here and tell you that realistically goes into Phoenix besides maybe a Justin Allgaier or, I mean, yeah, I know Brandon Jones has won there before, but I really, the only other driver that's been really good this year in Xfinity consistently at any level has been AJ, I mean, has been uh, Justin Allgaier. Almendinger has been good, but he hasn't been amazing consistently. Um, but we've seen some flashes in the pan with him. I, I know, you know, Justin Haley's had some flashes of brilliance over his career. Could he surprise some people, especially knowing that you have a plate race coming up at, you know, Daytona? Um, could he, you know, get a, get a win and, and kind of, you know, solidify his place in the championship hunt as well? Uh, and not solidify it, but just, you know, give him some more bonus points. Cause that's what he needs at this point. Um, so just looking at those things and you're just sitting there saying, what in the heck is going to happen when we get to Daytona? That's the biggest wild card, even in the, Xfinity, in the Xfinity series, because you have guys like Brandon Brown, who's fighting to get in. You have Ryan Sieg, who's on the outside looking in. You have Riley Herbst, who's been on the bubble most of the season. Um, and then you have guys like Jeremy Clements that are on the outside looking in. You have a lot of teams that have really good programs that are capable of winning races that are on the on the border of the cutoff or or they're they're out and they're looking to get their way in and Daytona is going to be that for a lot of these teams. So, we'll see how that plays out, but obviously the Xfinity series are heading out to Michigan this weekend. Um, you know, and and we'll see what happens uh for those guys, but you know, uh, I, I think Austin Cindric's in the catbird seat as far as the championship goes for Xfinity. So now let's talk about the cup race and we're going to talk about everything. I mean, we're, we're just going to break it all down. So Saturday, because of the accident with Harrison Burton and several other cars and, and other people hitting the turtles, they, they removed the turtles off of the turn off of, uh, I think that's turn four turn or turn six. Whatever. I think it's turn six actually, technically. Um, so they, they removed those turtles on the outer part of the track and getting back to what I was trying to talk about before was, you know, 
the the cup guys, I can understand them not knowing maybe some of the track limits and, and how hard they could push the cars and stuff like that. The thing is, is that we've seen it over the last several years. NASCAR has made road course, the, the road courses that we have, they've made them easier. Okay. You look at Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen, when, when you go back and watch maybe 2003, 2004, Watkins Glen, and you see Robbie Gordon hitting the curbs, his car gets launched in the air, you know, as he hits those curbs. And it, and it used to be a thing of, of art to watch the way Robbie Gordon would hit the curb perfectly and and be able to to get the car up on that curb and it be an advantage the way he hit it. Today those curbs are flat, totally flat. You can actually cut like you know, you can cut those corners and almost run a straight line through the the bus stop now. Where 2003, 2004, you couldn't run a straight line through the bus stop. You actually did have to slow down and hit the curbs and, and you know, kind of run it differently. Today, you can kind of, like, almost get a straight line shot through there. Um, you know, once you make that first corner, you can kind of straight line it. Uh, you know, once you make that first, you know, curb, you can kind of straight line it and then straight line the second part of it. And you could really just get straight through there. And um, it, it's really taken the challenge of the bus stop out. And, and then you got the carousel, which the carousel used to um, have grass on the other side of it. When you came around the, the carousel and, you know, you're heading towards what's referred to as the boot. When you got to the boot, there used to actually be grass there. And what happened was we had a series of accidents. We had the Jeff Gordon, Jeff Burton accident in 2012. And then we had the Ryan Newman incident, I believe, uh, 2014, when him and Michael McDowell hit the wall. And that's when Watkins Glen and NASCAR decided to rip the the grass out and pave it. So they paved that area, and that's basically created an extra runoff area that all the drivers drive all the way out and make a big sweeping corner out of their runoff room because there's grip out there because it's freshly paved roadway, and they're able to get you know more grip and they're able to short you know shorten the track up a little bit. So. Every single time NASCAR has done this, and, and we saw it even at Daytona with the road course this year, um, you know, the guys were hitting um, the grass, kicking the grass up at the, at, the, uh, in the, at the bus stop on the road course. What does NASCAR go out and do? They add concrete. They pour concrete, add it to it to actually make it so that the guys can do what they were doing by kicking up the grass and, and shortcutting the thing to make it easier for them to do that. And it was kind of funny because – you know, Freddie Kraft and 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 uh, TJ Majors, Majors are talking about it on Door Bumper Clear about how, um, you know, they've made these tracks so much easier to drive. And they really, you know, I agree with them. I'm really pissed that NASCAR has is, is made the road course racing a lot easier for these guys. I think what they got to do is they got to go with back to the old school curbs. They got to get first off, they got to get these cars off the freaking ground. I mean, these guys are running these cars like you know, millimeters off the ground. They're sealed. They're, they're sealed off in the bottom. And I, I, I know with the next gen car, it's not going to get much better, but I mean, they got to do something where, you know, these guys are going to be able to hit these curbs and not destroy their cars. I mean, you know, you also have the turtles, uh, you know, when you hit the turtle, you legit rip the front nose of your car off, um, which I think is crazy. But, you know, at the same time, if they hit the grass, you're going to rip your nose off anyhow, probably. So, 
Uh, it's six and a half times the other, if you look at it that way, but you know, I think they got to do something to, to make it so that these guys actually have to have the skills of knowing how to hit the curb, how much curb is too much curb, you know, just bring back some of the stuff we saw in the, in the, in the early two thousands. I think if you look at Watkins Glen, 2003, 2004, watch Robbie Gordon hitting those curbs, watch how those guys raced. Watkins Glen back in those times, uh, I think your eyes would be open to why some of some of the NASCAR fans out there are upset with the way NASCAR has gone with the road racing. And I, I just think that they've made it a little bit too easy. I, I hope these new cars have a little bit more of a ride height to them, that they're off the ground a bit. I, I don't have a ton of faith that it's really going to happen, but um, I, I really want to see NASCAR try to make take that next step and make these cars a little bit taller, um, you know, with ride height and, and, and make them so that they can hit curbs and not destroy a race car. It'd be nice. Um, but then you had the problem with the curbing in turn six on the other side of it. Um, apparently Indy uses metal temporary curbing. I don't understand the point of that. I mean, Roger Penske, you can splurge a little bit and pour some concrete down and, and make a proper curb. Um, I, I don't understand the metal part of it. And 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 that was the thing that kind of, I think, ticked a lot of fans off was the fact that you had a metal curb that got destroyed. And it destroyed, it got destroyed so much that someone actually got their entire, like the, the pan that goes under the radiator, got stuck in the metal curb. And that's what caused the big wreck that William Byron had. And and cause all those other cars, you know, Logano to go in and and I mean, Logano hit a ton. And thank God there was tire barriers there, and thank God there was a wall there. I can't even imagine what would happen if that was not there. Um, but you just look at some of that stuff and you just say, "What in the hell?" And then so they red flagged the race, and NASCAR's trying to figure out what to do with the the curbing. You know, they're sitting there and they're like, "Well, what do we do with the curbing, guys?" Um, because they, you know, at, at Indy, unlike any other track that we go to as a series. Race control has zero has zero visibility of the actual racetrack, so they are relying directly on NBC and directly related, you know, relying on their own cameras and their own corner spotters. Which you've heard me this year go on on tirades about them because they can't pick up rain in Turn One at New Hampshire. How the hell do you think they're going to pick up that there's a radiator pan sitting in a curb, a metal curb? And that's what causes the major accident, um, you know, in the overtime and, 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 you know, destroys several million dollars worth of race cars in one shot. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, at the, I hope, I was hoping that after having two weeks off, NASCAR was able to go back and review some of their policies and procedures, especially when it came to co- corner workers to begin with because of the debacle we had up in new hampshire obviously that didn't happen because um we had a debacle at indy i i really do worry about the direction that nascar is going in when it comes to safety in this sport and and the reason why i'm worried is because we've seen we saw the the rain at new hampshire we've seen the 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 radiator pan and curbing at indy what else is going to happen before nascar wakes up and realizes they have a serious problem on their hands. And and a lot of it is in the race control booth. 
they need to bring – I mean, I, I know everybody's tired of hearing me say it, but David Hoots was a master of what he was – of his craft. When he was in the, that race control box, he knew every single thing that was going on. Things like what, what have happened in the last, I'd say, six months of the sport would not happen under David Hoots' watch. They need to – I mean, I, I know David Hoots is not coming back. He retired. I, I understand that. But they need to seriously look at race control – the uh, corner spotters that they have, and they need to really, really redo this because I don't want to see a guy get hurt because of NASCAR stupidity um, when it comes to this stuff. I mean, this is just this is this is just asinine how bad they've been with corner workers this year and the lack of catching things. I mean, it's just it, mind blowing. You know, the curb was coming up before that. This wasn't like. Oh my God, the curb just randomly fell apart. This was coming up during the entire race. And when they had the first red flag to get debris out from underneath it the first time, and the guy's prying on, on the curb, and you could see that the curb is being able to lift. That's when NASCAR should have said, Time out, get it out of here. That's when they should have gotten rid of it, not waited to have a eight, nine, 10 car pile up. And have to red flag it again to actually do what would have been the right call the first time to get rid of the curb. I just don't get it, you know. And and again, it just goes in a long string of of things that NASCAR has screwed up this year. And you know, I'm gonna call it like I see it. I, I just I think something needs to happen. There needs to be some personnel changes up in that race control booth, and there needs to be better, better or more corner spotters. But if they're gonna get more, they better be trained properly. Not like what we've been seeing this season because it's just mind-blowing some of the stuff they missed. Then let's get to the whole Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin thing. And, and, you know, I've heard both sides of this story. I've heard I've heard Hamlin's side. I've seen Chase Briscoe's side. I've listened to the radio. Listen, at the end of the day, Chase Briscoe's team, whether he wants to admit he knew it or not, Chase Briscoe's team knew he had a penalty. His spotter just like every other spotter on that stand listens to the NASCAR channel, the, the officials channel and NASCAR did during the race say post the 14, he owes us a stop and go not once, but twice during this race. Okay. So Brett Griffin on door bumper clear said it perfectly. He said, I heard it not once, but twice I, on channel 10, which is the, the NASCAR officials channel. He says, I heard him say post the 14, he owes us a stop and go. Now, going to where Chase Briscoe's talking about, he's saying he didn't know. Well, he might not have heard because he might have been on Channel 1. And Channel 1, again, for those of you that don't know, is, is usually the, the one that the fans hear. You know, if you get, um, you know, a race scanner, uh, you're, you're, you're listening to Channel 1. You're not hearing the digital chatter on, on Channel 2. You're only hearing Channel 1. So channel one is where the drivers will chat back and forth with their spotters. A lot of the times they're crew chiefs, but they're going to talk strategy or they're going to talk some other stuff. They're going to go on channel two. And sometimes they talk in code on both channels. So sometimes they'll come in and they'll make a pit stop and they'll say Batman or they'll say Superman. And that's a two tire change or a four tire change, depending on what their codes are. Okay. And sometimes um, they have different code words, meaning different adjustments, different things that they're going to do um, so that the, the, the crew and the driver are on the same page. 
Okay. But a lot of the times with the, the driver and spotter chatter on channel one is normally, you know, guys on your inside, you know, still there door, you know, and that's where door bumper clear. The name of it comes from, you know, he's at your door. He's not, he's, you know, he's at your door. You know, he's, you know, really they started out with he's at your bumper. Now he's at your door. And then when the guy passes you, you're clear. Right. So the spotter hears this and there's no way to tell me that, that, that whoever uh, chases spotter is doesn't hear NASCAR say on channel 10 uh, post to 14 EOS is a, a stop and go. Now the stop and go has to happen at turn 10. So chase Briscoe got run off in turn one by Denny Hamlin. Now, Hamlin's using this sorry-ass excuse that Hamlin usually uses of, I got hit by A.J. Allmendinger. It's not my fault. Well, you know what, Danny? You're the one driving the car. <laughs> you know, you got hit. You got into the Briscoe. You sent him off the track. You know, you're not in the right here either, okay? So, but where Briscoe got penalized is he didn't go off the grass, come, you know, go in the grass and then come right back you know, like try to get back into the track. He kept going because he figured he he was going to keep his momentum up, and he figured that he wasn't going to be a leader by the time he rejoined the track. Well, guess what? He was able to, to rejoin as the leader. And that's where NASCAR said, nope, that's a penalty, black flag, post a 14. So they get to turn 10, and, and supposedly, according to Briscoe, he didn't know what turn 10 was like. I don't know how the hell he didn't know what turn 10 is. Most of these guys have maps actually uh, in their car. Um, you know, they actually had diagrams of the track. A lot of them do inside their car. So he should have been able to figure out what turn 10 was. Maybe he didn't have it. I don't know, but some guys even put it on their steering wheel. Um, so again, I have a hard time believing he didn't know what turn 10 was, uh, where it was <laughs> anyhow. Um, so he's trying to get to pull off and he says he got, you know, he got loose and he got into Hamlin. And, he, and he's, you know, spun Hamlin out. What realistically happened, and, and Chase can lie all he wants about this, Chase Briscoe was pissed at Hamlin, pushed him off the track. And this was not the first time it happened. It happened a couple other times during the race. So Briscoe dumps him on purpose. I don't care what Chase says. He dumped him on purpose. Get out of the car, own it, say that you dumped him, because we all know that's what happened. You can't tell me otherwise. You know, heat of the moment, the guy dumped him. He... Whether he knew he was penalized or not is is up for interpretation um, because I don't know what was said on Channel 1. I didn't go back and listen to, to to that part. I do know that the crew chief apparently knew that he had a, uh, um, that he had a penalty. But, again, that might have been on Channel 2. That might not have been on Channel 1. So, again, I'm not 100% sure. But you're, you're looking at whether or not he knew. He was pissed off. He, he, he was going to dump Hamlin no matter what. I don't care what anybody says. So he dumps Hamlin. He gets out of the car and tries to play, you know, oh, it wasn't, you know, man, I didn't know I was, I had a penalty, you know. If you're mad, just say you're mad at Hamlin. I guarantee you, as bad as maybe some of the repercussions would have been, maybe, maybe Hamlin would have, you know, punched him or something or whatever, would have mocked him like he mocked Logano after that, the whole, hey, short track racing guys, you know, thing. I, I think that you, you take it and you move on. But, Going out and saying what you said, I don't know if Hamlin really is is happy about that answer. Um, and Hamlin might not be somebody you want to piss off because, you know, if the shoe's on the other foot, Hamlin's going to wreck you again. We've already seen this happen. So um, at the end of the day, A.J. Allmendinger, right place at the right time. 
was able to go on and win the race and collect Colleague Racing's first career NASCAR Cup Series win. A big deal for those guys. Um, but not not surprising because AJ is a good road racer. Colleague has really good equipment. They're getting brand new cars right off the shop for it at RCR, just like Trackhouse is. Uh, those ECR motors are great. And overall, that team is is solid. That's a solid team over there. They have a really good group of guys and gals that are working over there. Colleague, um, they're perennial Xfinity race winners, and uh, they're going to be competing for an Xfinity championship this year. Um, I wouldn't count Amendinger out, but I, like I said, I, I I still think it's Cindric's to lose. Um, but you know, Amendinger picks up the win, a surprise for sure. Um, I don't know if you're going to see another surprise winner uh, at Michigan, but the way this season's gone, you never know what could happen. But a uh, big win for AJ, big win for Colleague. Uh, it's great for the sport to see one of the newer owners come on the scene and collect a win so early in that in their team's existence. Um, I think it, it's a good signal for the future of our sport. So what we're going to do is we're going to take one more break, and on the other side, we will give you a news recap and we'll preview Michigan here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. For all your latest diecast needs, apparel, and much more, check out CircleBDieCast.com. The best part, all of our Crew Chiefs Corner podcast listeners use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. No apostrophe. It's all Crew Chiefs Corner. You'll save you'll get free shipping on all US orders over $20. Check out CircleBDiecast.com. Use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. You get free shipping on all US orders over $20. All right, guys, it is now time for news of the last couple of weeks. We'll go over some some of the late-breaking news that has happened. Uh, let's start with, obviously, the, the big story of the week so far has been Josh Berry has been confirmed to drive for Junior Motorsports next season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He'll drive the team's number eight Chevrolet. Uh, then uh, the next day we found out that Tire Pros is going to be back. They're going to be sponsoring Josh in nine races on the schedule. So they have uh, found some sponsorship. And then this morning, they followed that up with um, another sponsor's announcement. They have Harrison's uh, Workwear is going to be the primary sponsor for Josh Berry for eight races in 2022. So that has 17 of what we assume is going to be 33 Xfinity Series races for 2022 sold. So that means they have over half the season sold already. And that's not including other partners that they might sign. Um, you know, normally you don't have this much of this many deals done this early for sponsorship. But I think this really speaks to Josh's Xfinity win at Martinsville and how much that really set a lot of things in motion for him. I think that's really why he's been driving um, you know, why he went and drove for, uh, Jordan Anderson for a couple races. I think that's why he's getting the opportunity this weekend to fill in for Michael Annette, um, in the one car, um, I think to give him some more seat time. I do think Josh Berry's going to be the guy to fill in for Michael Annette from here on out, barring some unique circumstance where Josh has maybe a commitment with, uh, Jordan Anderson or, or something happens where, uh, you know, Annette actually gets healed up and comes back. But um, 
I do think that they're just going to run Josh in that car as much as they can um, for that. Now, with all this Josh Berry news, there's a lot of talk about what's going to happen with Sam Mayer. Sam Mayer is going to be back with Junior next year. He is slated to run full-time. That is confirmed. Um, So there's been a lot of chatter. And some of the chatter relates around what's going to happen with Junior Motorsports. Are they going to stay at four Xfinity cars? Are they going to go to a fifth car? What is this all? In, what does this all mean for a potential Cup program? I, I really don't know. I, I know Junior has gone on and has said a lot on on, on his Dale Junior download that uh, Junior Motorsports would not go Cup racing if the charters are ten million dollars. Well, Brett Griffin and the guys on Door Bumper Clear cleared that all up and basically said that Colleague paid six million dollars for the charters each. So. I, again, you know, is Junior going to be willing to spend $6 million to go cup racing plus acquiring seven cars? You know, I mean, of what I've heard, I mean, that, that seven cars is not going to come cheap, um, especially when they're going to cost, you know, probably half a million to a million dollars each. Even if you say they're a million dollars each, uh, $7 million plus six is 13. And that's just to get your foot in the door, you know? more or less. Um, that's not, that's not personnel. That is not sponsors. That's not anything else. It is going to cost you pr- approximately $13 million to go cup racing next year. If you're Dale jr. Now, obviously if he finds a sponsor and a driver, which he has a driver, I think that is, is able to go cup racing tomorrow. Uh, he has a sponsor that particular driver does, and I think that it would be a smart decision for Junior to start out with this particular person. I've been saying it from the get-go that if Junior's going to go cup racing, the guy he needs to go cup racing with is Justin Allgaier, point blank. Put that car in cup, put him, you know, I think they could use the seven, actually, I believe. I don't think anybody has a seven right now. He could go out there and run the seven, put Brant on it, and and bring some other sponsors along for the ride. And I think Justin Allgaier would be the guy or run the 88. If that's really what they want to do, bring the 88 out. I don't care whatever they want to do. But if I was junior, that's, and I was going to go cup racing. That's what I would do. I would put Allgaier in the car, brand on the car, get some other sponsors to help brand out. So they don't have to do the whole year on their own. And that's, and that's kind of what's going to happen. And the money that brand put pays for you, the sponsored car, that money you take and you run and buy a charter from a race team. You go find somebody that wants to sell their charter and and don't pay Rick Ware a ridiculous amount of money, but get a charter. You know, that's what I would tell him. Um, but again, I you know, getting back to their Xfinity deal, I don't know what this means. I don't know if this means that they're looking at, you know, maybe Justin is their guy and and there would be an open seat still. So that when the everything clear, the smoke clears, and we have a clear picture of what's going on over there, um, do we see Sam Mayer, Noah Gragson, and Michael Annette as their drivers, or are we still trying to stuff Justin Allgaier in there, and then we're trying to figure out what's going on with Noah Gragson and 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 Michael Annette? I'm of the belief that Gragson's not coming back next season. That is just, I mean, I know he posted a video, but I felt this from the beginning of the season. I, I really felt like Noah this year has kind of taken that step back. He hasn't been the Noah that we saw 
last year where he won those couple of races and you're like, okay, he's, he's figured it out. He's taken that step back. And and now I'm like at that point where I'm like, I don't know who in the world, you know, if he loses his ride junior, I don't know what team is going to take their gamble on this guy. And I know some people are saying, well, 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 you know, Penske needs a guy, you know, uh, Stuart Haas needs a guy, this guy. I really struggle. I mean, Stuart Haas has Riley Herbs, who's a dumpster fire. We've already talked about that. I think that Stuart Haas is using Riley Herbs to buy time because let's face it, that seat is is just being warmed for Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan's going to end up in that 98 car in, in, in two years. Okay, whether she wants to admit it or not, she is going to end up in that 98 car at Stuart Haas Racing. Okay. She is. She just is going to end up there. What I think is going to happen is they're going to they're going to keep Riley one more year. I I think he comes back because he's got the monster sponsorship, and I think it's a perfect transition. You dump one monster guy and you bring in Haley, who Monster's going to want to be attached to um, predominantly, and and that'll be that. And I think Riley will get kicked to the curb, and and that'll be then Riley Herps at the end of next year. Um. What I do think is is going to happen with Noah is Noah stands a chance if Roger Penske is serious about keeping a full-time Xfinity driver in that 22 car, I could see Penske trying to get Noah Gragson to be a full-time driver over there. I don't see Penske really taking a chance on on uh, on other drivers. I just don't know if there's anybody else in the pipeline that they would put in the car. Um. But I think there's other dri- drivers that are more deserving than Noah, maybe. But I could see Penske saying, let's get Noah in here. Let's put him in the 22. Uh, we can groom him into what we need him to be. And maybe that's where they go. I have no idea. I know Noah wanted to go cup racing at the end of last season. I thought that that was a highly risky move on his part. After his performance so far this season, I would I would highly suggest him stay in Xfinity again. I think it's just, it's a smart move. It'll, it'll make way more sense for him to stay in Xfinity. But I, I, again, I think Penske would be the shot. If not, I could see him running on, on a, on a mid tier team. I could see, I could see our motorsports and in, in, in all seriousness, I could see our motorsports pairing Noah up with Brett Moffitt to, to drive that 2303, whatever they're going to renumber that car to uh, being that, Noah being their second guy. I could see that happening. How successful it's going to be is, is, is up to Noah. But I do see that, that some, there's a team out there that's going to take a risk on him. And, and, and like I said, Penske's like the high end of the stick, but I realistically, I see like an hour motorsports or, or somebody that really needs a little bit of funding. Noah could latch onto, um, to that, but I don't know. I don't know how much funding is still there. I know his father got him in the door at Junior Motorsports, but I know that Johnny Morris and Black Rifle Coffee and True Timber have kept him in the seat. So we'll see how that all pans out. Um, some other news has been floating out there is that 2311 is is coming close to buying a second charter. There has been rumors that it is either going to be with the purchase of the entire Front Row Motorsports program or possibly buying a charter off a of front row. You know, 
I would say that usually winning a Daytona 500 means that you get additional sponsorship. Your cars usually get a little bit better. You usually have a better pit crew, maybe a better engine package, all those things. But it sounds like that, um, you know, Bob Jenkins is, is in the business of getting out. Um, it sounds like that's where he's at right now. Um, and I don't think he's like just out on the open market selling it. I think he's, he's seeing that, um, Ganassi got out. I, I don't know what track house paid Ganassi. I mean, we've heard 8 million, $10 million, but, um, I, I would, I've heard 8 million, uh, thrown around quite a bit, um, because he paid for the charter and assets. So that makes sense. I mean, what assets you're actually buying, I, you know, besides like, you know, parts and pieces is beyond me. I, I just don't know what they're acquiring as far as assets go, you know, and what I mean, parts and pieces like the haulers and maybe some pit equipment. I mean, you're not buying cars uh, for the most part. You're not buying um, the shop because he doesn't, you know, Ganassi doesn't own the shop. That's Rob Kaufman's shop. He owns the building. Um, so, um, you know, I, I can understand that. Uh, for 2311, I could understand them buying the team. Do they need the shop? I mean, they're building one. Um, I don't know where they're at in the process with that but I believe they're building a shop, you know, and, um, you know, I, I just, I just don't know what buying two charters would get them. I know they could lease one out. Um, so, you know, there's been some chatter about, uh, possibly another Toyota team. I mean, possibly another truck team coming up and running cup. Um, if they buy, if they buy out front row, this is what I could see happening depending on what truck team it is, and especially if it's a Toyota truck team, like a Thor Sport, um, I can't see Kyle getting into it uh, just because I don't think Kyle, uh, I think Kyle's in sort of the same boat that Denny's in, but being that they let Denny do it, I, I would, I could see Kyle doing it. I just don't know if Kyle's going to want to do it because I think it's going to take, it, it's, it's going to take a lot of money and just understanding how Kyle needs like funded drivers in his cars, um, you know, in his trucks just to compete, you know, kind of makes you wonder a little bit. But um, if if Kyle Busch is seriously going to, you know, Kyle Busch Motorsports is seriously going to go cup racing, they have a cup driver in their stable in, in John Hunter Nemechek, and he could be the guy. The, the realistic thing I could see them doing is running um, – a guy who has a little more seasoning behind him, but I think that guy's kind of shot, shot his opportunity at that seat. And I think if Ty Dillon really ran well in that JGR stuff, I think Ty would have had the outside shot, which again, it, it kind of goes back to, to this other thing I was saying is I don't understand how Harrison Burton was let out of the, let out of the gate at Joe Gibbs racing, because, you know, I'm sitting here saying to myself, if, Denny and, and Joe and, and everybody are smart at, at Gibbs and Harrison really wanted to go cup racing. And that was what they, they heard him and they were working on this front road deal to get two charters. I would have stuck them in the second. I would have stuck them in the third car. And, and then you would have had three cars at 2311. You would have had Bubba, Kurt and Harrison. And then that would have been it. Then you would have been fine. And then when Kurt retires, then you have a seat for Ty. You know, if you don't want to push one of the, the, the guys out of Gibbs, then you have a, a, a landing point for Ty. 
But now what you're doing is you're you're possibly leasing a charter to another organization. And and I, again, I realistically I realistically see them getting a, a this this truck team that's coming in for the second truck team that's coming in. I think is a Toyota team because it it just the stars align too perfectly with this story and the rumblings I've heard. You know, especially the, a lot of what what they were talking about door bumper clear this week. If Denny's team is and, and Michael Jordan are buying out front row, and they're going to have those two charters, hear me out here. A se- a second truck team. This was their report. A second truck team is going cup racing next season. That was all the information we were given. We were not given how what team, what brand, what anything. My guess is it's a Toyota team, and the reason why Denny and Michael Jordan are buying out front row is they are going to acquire the the two charters. They are going to the the assets of a front row are not going to be purchased. They're just going to buy the charters. The assets of Front Row Motorsports are going to end up going uh, possibly to David Gilliland. Okay? I'm just going to say that. <clears throat> then what, what happens is you get those – so you get the two charters. Danny and Michael sign Kurt Busch. Contract, sponsors, everything. They lease this second charter out to this other truck program. Whether it's Thor Sport, whether it's Kyle, whoever's coming cup racing out of the truck series, one of those two teams I'm telling you now is coming cup racing. If it is Thor Sport, they're going to lease them to charter for a year or two, get whoever the heck they're going to get in a cup car. Because, again, I don't know who Thor Sport or, I mean, I know who Kyle Bush would probably put in the car. My guess is going to be John Hunter. But if it's Thor Sport, I don't know who they put in that, that, that car full time. Because, I mean, yeah, you could put Matt Crafton in it. I could see that. But is Menards really going to go cup racing with two cars that they're primarily sponsoring? I don't see that. Grand Infinger's on his way out. Um, you know, Christian Eckes is not even driven Xfinity. Chandler Smith is, uh, I mean, on the Kyle Busch side, I think Chandler Smith is too new. On the Thor Sports side of things, Ben Rhodes has been talked about going cup racing. He ran a cup race. Ben might be the guy. Um, especially being that he's got Bombardier as a sponsor, um, they got a lot of money, so I could see it, but, um, and then there's this other guy, Paul Menard, who's, uh, kind of kicking around over there at Thor Sport, so, uh, doing some moonlighting of racing, so you never know. Um, I just, it, it's just going to be strange. It's going to be a, a, an interesting off season. Um, I think silly season's just turning up, um, uh, the wick. Um, but I do think that uh, of everything I heard, it sounds like front row is getting sold off. It sounds like Michael McDowell and, and Anthony Alfredo will be on the outside looking in as far as rides go uh, as it stands now. Um, and then GMS, I don't know where, where where it is with GMS. I mean, unless GMS goes to Toyota, I really don't see how they get a charter uh, other than going to Rick Ware and buying one of his charters straight up, which I could see happening. But I don't see them buying the 51 charter. I see them buying like the 15 charter um, so that they don't have to put like Rick's name on it. I, I you know, I just don't see them or, or putting Richard Petty's name on it. I don't see them buying the 51 charter. I see them buying the 15 charter and just calling it a day. Um, so we'll see. But, um, you know, that was a wrinkle I didn't see coming. 
Um, and again, where that leads Michael McDowell. I mean, if loves travel centers, you know, for a terrible punt and loves Michael McDowell, he could get a pretty decent Xfinity seat. I would imagine with that sponsorship money that they're paying on a cup car, they won't get the same level of exposure, but Hey, maybe you put Michael McDowell, uh, Michael McDowell's money that he gets from loves. And maybe it's enough money to go get a really good seat at Penske or a really good seat at Stuart Haas, uh, Xfinity program and call it a day. The other thing we heard, there was a rumor going around that, uh, Tony Stewart is going to start a truck and Arca program. Uh, I don't know if that's going to just happen naturally or that's a, in reference to him, maybe with a future purchase. We've been hearing some grumblings that part of the assets of, uh, front row motorsports could end up, uh, in David Gillen's possession, which, um, again, would include uh, front row, um, possibly their truck program, possibly being sold off, um, to, uh, Tony Stewart, um, is what was, what, what I read that could be a possibility or David Gillen and, T- uh, Tanner and Taylor Gray's dad, um, possibly selling off David Gillen racing. And then they just take over front row motorsports or so, you know, we've heard some swaps, uh, possibly going on over there, but, um, there's been some chatter that Tony Stewart's possibly going to go truck racing uh, very soon with his race team. So we'll see how that all pans out um, and possibly there being an ARCA program uh, as well at a Stuart Haas racing. So if that's the case, I, again, I could foresee this scenario of the assets of front row sports end up in D- David Gillen's hands, meaning, you know, cars and shops and that stuff. And, um, you know, ultimately, um, some of the trucks and stuff ends up with Tony Stewart, um, so that they could feel the truck for Todd and possibly, uh, take over Harley's, uh, development even earlier than expected. So we'll see how that pans out, but some, some kind of shocking news the last couple of days, uh, breaking news that we found out just before I went on Corey LaJoy is not going to run at Michigan. Um, he has, uh, been ruled out due to COVID protocols. That doesn't necessarily mean he's got COVID, but, Due to the protocols that are in place, he is not able to drive this weekend in Michigan. He will be replaced by Josh Berry. So you knew Josh Berry was going to work in there somehow, and that's how he did. Um, but other than that, I mean, really not not too much crazy other things going on. We know that uh, there's still some more dominoes to fall as far as it comes with um, charters. So stay tuned to that. You can follow us on all of our social, which is going to roll at the end of this segment. And also be sure to check out our website, thecrewchief.net, for all the latest news and notes. So I want to thank you guys for checking out this uh, 18th episode of the podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the races out at Michigan. And also enjoy the trucks out at Gateway. Uh, Race picks, I mean, Xfinity, I I would say uh, Austin Sendrick going to be hard to beat. I I really think so. Uh, Justin Algar is going to be another one that's going to be up there. As far as cup goes, I would say, you know, it's been, it's been HMS, uh, pretty strong. I think Larson gets it done. This is one of his best tracks prior to driving for Hendrick. So look out for Larson this weekend. I think he's going to be on a rail. And, uh, as far as the truck series goes, uh, it's a short track. So we've seen a lot of different kind of winners out there. I think Matt Crafton's got a really good shot. Um, I also really like, um, I really like what's going on right now at Austin Hill. So I think he could be another 
contender, but I think one of those two Toyota teams are going to get that win out at Gateway. So again, enjoy the races. Have a great week. We'll catch you next week right here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at the Crew Chief, on Twitter at the Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.